Good morning, Faith Church. Um, I'm Abigail Pecklow, and today's reading will be from Hebrews chapter 11, verses 8 through 12. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful, who had promised. Therefore, from one man, and him as good as dead, were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven, and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. This is the word of the Lord. Well, I'm thrilled this morning to introduce Curtis Costin as our guest speaker this morning. Curtis is the senior pastor at Solid Word Bible Church over on the west side. He was part of the original planting team for Solid Word in the year 2000, which is when we first got to know Solid Word and uh, hosted office space, Bible studies, things like that right here in this building. So some of you uh, go back all 20 years uh, with Solid Word's history. Uh, so like I said, Curtis was part of the original planting team, and then he and his family moved to Switzerland for nine years, where he eventually ended up pastoring Black Forest Christian Fellowship, uh, became good friends with Dan and Michelle Tebby, who are part of our missions family. Well, about two years ago, he was called back to be the senior pastor of Solid Word, which is when we met and began becoming friends. Uh, Curtis is joined here today with his wife, Lavette, and two of their sons, Caleb and Joel, and... Uh, we're thrilled to welcome you here. I want you to welcome him with me. Thanks, Curtis. Good morning. I will tell you guys this morning, I miss telling the earlier service this, so you get this exclusively. The donkey is here. And if some of you are worrying, what is he talking about? Whenever I am speaking somewhere new and whenever there is any air, a tinge of nervousness that comes up, I remember the very first time I spoke before an um, extremely large crowd as a church um, <clears throat> that we were attending and was speaking in that particular service and uh, roughly about 2,000 people and, and, and I was nervous and, and, and as I was prepping for it at that particular time, my mother who has since gone home, gone home to be with the Lord, I called her as I did whenever I just wanted some encouragement. And she was a strong believer, strong follower of Christ. And I called and I told her, I am petrified. I am scared. And she led me to something which really I remember now to this day. And, and this, was, this was well over 20 years ago. And she said to me, Curtis, do you remember the story of the triumphal entry of Christ? I sure did. She said, what did Christ ride into Jerusalem on. He said, he rode in on a donkey. I said, great. She says, does anyone talk about the donkey? Were, was anyone even paying attention? Other than the fact of him riding on a donkey, fulfilled prophecy. He said, did anyone even pay attention to the donkey? Did anyone talk about the donkey? I said, well, of course not. Christ was riding into town. 
And so she says, you are the donkey. (laughs) She said, carrying Jesus to the people. She says, go and be a good donkey. (laughs) And in her great wisdom, I laughed. It calmed me down. I told that story that day. I remember it ever since. And if ever I get beside myself or I start to wonder or think, that story comes back to mind. And so the donkey is here. We um, we had a great time this morning. And as we continue um, in Hebrews down this whole journey, this this whole this whole hero of faith fame, this this hero of faith. Hall of Fame we get here, of those that have journeyed and have pilgrimed with the Lord, we see them in all their brokenness. We see, we, we hear of the great things they did, but we also know that in the details of the story, there wasn't always perfect. And as we look to these, and the whole point of them being mentioned is to encourage those believers then that the writer of Hebrew was writing, and then us today to continue on strong, we look with a greater eyesight to our real hero, who is Jesus. And he did it perfectly without flaw. And so he gives us, and what we'll look at, this greater permanence to live in this time in our life and to live out in the way that he wants So let's jump right on in. One of the things I want us to realize is that as we look at the life of Abraham, God is encouraging us for a kind of life and a quality of life that can be lived currently. And although we're looking back at a historical life and although we can give application in it today, the encouragement is and it is, it is a call to here is why we should live according to the way that God is calling all of us to live. This whole notion of faith, and I know last week and in prior weeks you've heard as, as, as Pastor Jeff actually has explained that this faith is both an assurance and a confidence, and that assurance and confidence is what, and it's not just an insurance, it's not just an assurance and confidence in the abstract. It is an assurance and confidence in a faithful God, but he is the one who is going to make it possible that we live the way that he has dictated. And so the first thing that I want us to notice is It starts off by faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out. And although the focus of that beginning of this paragraph is Abraham, I'd like to flip it. I'd like to twist it just a little bit and say that really it is the faithful God who calls. And Abraham responded in faithful obedience. See, I don't want to act as if Abraham was the great initiator in this transaction in what was happening here. Abraham was the beneficiary, and he responded in faithful obedience. In other words, God called out to him when Abraham wasn't thinking about God. 
If you go back to the account in Genesis and you read it, Abraham was going about his life in Ur of the Chaldeans, and he was living it as anyone else in that part of the world would live it. He was going about his own life, his own way. As a matter of fact, as you read the account in that particular part of the world, they were idol worshipers. And so you would understand that indeed they were not seeking the true and the one and only God. And so God calls out to him. And then, of course, when he gets to Haran, God speaks to him and specifically tells him where to go. And he says that he is calling him out from, but he is calling him to something. And I want to look at that for just a moment. How do I live this life of greater permanence? Well, the first thing is that we respond to a faithful God with faithful obedience. God had, there was something about that call that was unlike any other call when Abraham received it. And he responded by doing exactly what he was called to do. And so let's think about what he was called out of. He was called from his life as he knew it. He was called from the everyday routines that he did. He was called from family. He was called from culture. He was called from a community. And it would seem like those would be the last things that you would want to leave, that you would not get really excited. As you heard, we lived in Switzerland, right along the southern border of Germany, which is where the church was. And I remember distinctly when we were making plans to leave, and our kids were younger at that time, and we told my in-laws, my wife's parents, and my wife's uh, mom um, is a retired educator, and, and we thought that she would be excited with this news that we were taking the family and their grandchildren to give them a greater educational experience, a new language, a new culture, um, and some different things that they would learn. And so we thought it would be excitement over it, but that was not the expression on the face that we received. If I could use an emoji, it would be that flat line. As we realized that response was because we were taking their only grandchildren at that time and we were removing them from being three hours from them to being a 10 to 12 hour airline trip away. And I can just imagine back then when God's call to bring him out of his ordinary life, to bring him out of the way things were going every day for Abraham and the family, to something that would be different, that would be better, that would be more. But Abraham had to trust him. Abraham's life would have been different had he not responded obediently to that call. I wonder would he have just stayed in Ur and have finished his life like everyone else before him not knowing God, but going through the routine and doing all the things that people in Ur do. But instead, he decided to get on board. He decided to listen. But not only did God call him from something, God called him to something. But before that, for you and I, what is it that God would be calling us from? How does this example help us? Well, here's one of the ways it helps us, 
as great as our life is or could be or the vision that we have for it, as great as that life could be and maybe even is, God calls us out from our own life, our own way. God calls Abraham out really from his sinful life. God calls you and, us, I mean, you and I out from our sinful life to follow him. And in a minute, we'll talk about not knowing all the things that that journey will entail, but he calls us to obediently and follow. Why? Because there is an inheritance that he has set for us, and for us, that inheritance of eternal life. And so he calls out to us and says, I know you think this is the best that you can have. Or maybe you're working on the best that you can have, and it's without him. But he says, I'm calling you out because I have something better. I have what was intended for your life. I, have, I don't have a better you. I have a new you in store because I want to give you something. I want to give you life. And in giving you life, you begin the journey of sojourning. And so he calls us out from, and then he calls, here's what he calls us to. He calls us to receive an inheritance, as I said, but he calls us to a place of surrender where he is in control of the details and we're not. He calls us to a place of trust, of not knowing the future. And that's exactly what happened with Abraham because we see here the next thing he said is that he was called to go out to a place that he would receive as an inheritance and I like that next phrase, and he went out. There wasn't any hesitation. And the thought really was that when God called, he responded. And that's what God wants from us. When he is calling out to you, that call is to rescue you and I from ourselves. And he calls him out, and Abraham responded, but he called him to something, and that is to trust him without knowing all the details. See, it, is, it, it, it was hard enough to leave here. Knowing the details that were set. See, knowing what the flight arrangements that had been arranged because we initially left with a corporate move through my wife's job. And, and we knew the flight. We knew that someone was going to be there in Zurich picking us up. We knew that we had a place that had already been arranged. We, we knew some of those basics, although much of the cultural life we did not understand and know. And we would learn it over those years but there were so many things that were set up for us that made that transition a whole lot easier. But I can't imagine going somewhere and someone saying, I will tell you when you get there, just start traveling. I will, I will let you know when you're there. Talk about an are we there that, I mean, are we there yet story. Can you imagine that? I, you, Many of us have, have, have that kind of story where you go somewhere and the kids are like, are we there yet? But can you imagine if the whole car was asking that question? <laughs> so, it says that he went out not knowing where he was going. God calls us out of our lives apart from him. He calls us from, the, from our controlled way of life to a journey marked by trust in him because he can be trusted above all. But not only did a faithful God call and Abraham respond, we see that 
that, that Abraham lived in the temporary through the lens of the permanent. Abraham lived in the temporary through the lens of the permanent. It goes on now and it says, By faith he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. There are two things I want us to focus on here. Because they are, they, they, they are tensions that are going on at the same time. And, and those tensions also mark our lives. And if we are to follow God, and if we are to live well in this temporary these are some things from him that we can learn and that we can pick up. What do I mean by temporary? That's our whole life. Anything in between your born date and your death date one day can be considered temporary because it, everything will end. That great school that you're going to, at some point that school is going to end, you're going to move on to something else. That great career that you have as Wonderful as it may be or as bad as it may be, it's, it's, it's going to end. The wonderful savings that you have, one day you will have no need of it. That athletic skill and prowess that you have or the ability to, to, to enjoy those things of youth will change one day. I know, I used to run track. No one would ever want me on their track team now. And so the issue is all of what we do here is temporary. But how do I live well in the temporary? I believe this story here gives us great example. It says here that he, he went to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land. And those two don't make sense because if it is the land that God promised to him, why isn't it his or, or why isn't he at home in this land? When it says he lives as a foreigner, that he's sojourning, that, 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 that this is not home. We were well aware that although we were living where we needed to be, initially when we got there, it was hard to call it home. I mean, you we, and, and our kids have grown, and, and we have grown to have called it home over that time, but we realized it was a culture that wasn't ours. It was a people that we weren't familiar with, although we would become familiar with. It was a language that we weren't at first, although most of us became familiar with the language. The older ones struggle, the younger ones pick it up. You know how that is. And, 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 and we get there, and, and there's so much that's new. One of the things we realized, I realized as we were there and we would travel around, especially when our kids were young, is that Americans are loud when you're around the Swiss. They would have quiet hours. And on Sundays, you know, around the houses, you could not make lots of noises. When you went into the restaurants, they were not very noisy. When you went places and you got on the trams, the public transportation, it wasn't very noisy. And so we learned to adjust and speak at lower decibel tones. And then we came back here. Remember the first time we came back here to visit, we were, I remember specifically, we were in the Fridays over here at Keystone at the Crossing, and we were sitting in there on a busy day. I'm not sure which weekend day it was, but it was busy and bustling, 
and we were sitting at the table, and we looked at one another and said, why are they screaming at each other? We had adjusted to our other culture. But the deal was that he was living in this promise that God has given, but it was not home. It would become the land that God would give them. But Abraham was looking for something more. It says the tension he lived with was where God wanted him, but not home. But then it says he lived in tents, but he was looking forward to a city. Tents by nature have stakes that you can put in and pick up in the ground. And, and, and in their nomadic life, they, I mean, that's the way their life was. And, and that tent met the need for that time. No matter how great the tent, it was permanent. And you could decorate that thing however you wanted to. I mean, it, it, was, it, was, it was temporary. It wasn't permanent. But cities, as he said, he was looking forward to a city that has foundation. Cities are not able to be uprooted by nature. I'm originally from New York. I'm a native New Yorker, born and raised in Brooklyn. And I, I met a Midwestern girl and moved out here to the Midwest in 1995. Whew, it was a change of cultures. I initially, I remember when I said to her, being the little arrogant New Yorker that I was at that time, I said, I thought I fell off the time truck when I got here, but then I realized, no, I actually learned to slow down in life. But I remember I said that if I could pick up New York City and, and, and uproot it and bring it and drop it, Indianapolis wouldn't have appreciated it, but dropped it on Indianapolis, I would have. Because I wanted my a city permanent to be where my tent temporary experience was. But Abraham did that in that it helped him to live in his temporary. It says that his, although he lived in tents, although he lived temporary, his anchor, his view, his perspective, his purpose was it a city that God was designing and that eventually God would be the one who would, would build and design. And he was looking for something that was beyond where he was, but yet it helped him to live where he was. And I believe that's what God is calling you and I to today. We learn here from Hebrews, and, 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 and what we get here in, in, in Hebrews is that Whatever is your view of permanence will affect how you live in your temporary or what is your view in your future or wherever your anchor is for your future will affect your current. And I think for him, and we're talking about a man who lived with extreme wealth, and yet that wealth was not the permanence of his life. It was a man who had been given extreme material blessing, but that material blessing was not the permanence of his life. He had been given extreme fame, but yet that fame was not the permanence of his life. He was given extreme, he was given large family, and yet that family too was not the permanence of his life. It says he was looking 
for a city with foundations, although he lived in tents. I believe that God is giving this example to encourage believers today. That living in the promises of God, who is one that is in their, cult, in, 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 in their own culture, living in the promises of God, and one that is not at home, as we said from the other one, but he's also telling us that our anchor cannot rest with anything here. If your life's ultimate value, if the pinnacle of your life is here, it will end with you. Because everything here is temporary. And so in essence, it would be as if you were living your life in a layover. One of the things that we realized, we flew a lot, and my, and, and my wife flies a whole lot, even for her, for her job. And when we were transitioning back and forth, I flew with her a couple of times. And because she flies a lot, you know, with the airlines, they, they, they give you perks when you spend a lot of your life flying. And I flew with her one particular time, and, and we had a stopover in London Heathrow. And I remember because she had flown so much, we got to stay in a really nice layover spot in London Heathrow. Now, I've stayed sometimes where you've sat on that chair, and that chair was as hard as a rock bench. But I've also now, in this particular time, we get to the, the lounge, and, 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 and in the lounge there, um, the, uh, everything was there. I, the, 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 I'm sorry, the European coffee that I remember well and miss, and, and the snacks and the foods and the croissants and the other things that were there. And, 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 and if we had needed to, they even had a place to take a shower. And if we had long enough, they had places where you can go in and, 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 and lie down and take a nap. But it would be silly for me to start unpacking my suitcase and hanging up my clothes and, 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 and treating their temporary bathroom as my own permanent one and that, and that bed in that area as my own and I would lock the door and say no one else can come in. It, it, and, and, and as nice as it was, when our flight showed up on the screen, we were leaving. As nice as it was, I wasn't staying. Why? Because I wanted to go home. There was something better. There was something greater. And our lives are like that as well. And God calls us in our tent living to have our eyes on and an anchor in the permanent. Because it will help you and I to enjoy or endure, which is up there as well. God either gives or allows things in our lives. And we either, so that, so that we don't think since I'm not going to be here permanently, I might as well not even think about how I live. Just don't get involved in anything. It's all going to end anyway. No, God gives us or allows things to happen to us for our enjoyment or, I mean, for us to enjoy or for us to endure. He gives us many things in our lives and our our families, our jobs, our careers, our finances, our sports, our fun, our recreation for us to enjoy. And we enjoy it well, and we learn how to live in the temporary, but sometimes things that he allows and he gives us, we have to endure. But we also know that is just for a time. And so I endure it. I walk through it. 
Now, we know that we don't do it perfectly, just like Abraham didn't do it perfectly. But we, but we move ever, hopefully, increasing in our permanence, living in the temporary well. I'd like to put to you something that I think will help in Joey and I, when we were talking, and John and believe too, in our session before I came up to speak with you when we were planning the service, this whole idea of ultimate value versus actual value came up. And what we have said, and I believe, is, is for many of us, here's where we get tripped up. We give ultimate value to something, and when we do, we cannot enjoy its actual value. Well, what do I mean? Well, your, your, your job or my career, when I put my career as the ultimate value in my life, everything dictates it, everything runs it, my whole life is driven by it, but the sad thing is that that, can, that thing cannot hold the weight of my satisfaction because it wasn't intended to. It cannot hold the weight of, of, of making me happy. My career, my education, um, my sports involvement, my friends, my relationships, my loved ones, when I give them ultimate value, they can't have actual value. Well, what's the actual value? Actual value is for, for a family, it's a place to, to love and be loved and to enjoy and to grow in understanding who I am and who God is. It's a place to, to, to journey with people through life. That's actual value. Ultimate value is when I put them above God and, and I tell them, make me happy. Actual value for our, for, for our careers is, is a place where we get to, get to learn new skills and to and to and to be productive in our society and to earn some money and to be able to live on our own and, and, to, and, and to have our skills honed. That's actual value. Ultimate value is when I place it as a God and, and that is all I live for and it comes crashing down because it can't hold the weight. And see, I believe that Abraham understood all the blessings he had for what they were. Perfectly, no. But consistently, he did. And then lastly, not only did he live in the temporary with the lens of the permanent, he trusted the faithful God will keep him, or I'm sorry, will keep his promise regardless of the impossibility. And here it says that Sarah was given power. She was strengthened. She was she was, she was powered to have the child, although past the age. And understand, it wasn't a year past the age. She was way, way past the age. That would be like your grandmother or great-grandmother having a child. Way past the age. It wasn't kind of impossible. It was utterly, it was humanly impossible. And yet with God, he pulled it off because he was demonstrating who he was as he was fulfilling his promise to humanity through Abraham. And so in this, he says that God will accomplish whatever he chooses 
through whomever makes themselves available, regardless of how impossible it may seem. And God just calls us to trust him. See, for me, that impossibility was this person standing up in front of you today. At age five, my parents seeking help went to the Brooklyn campus of Long Island University because they had this five-year-old that was having difficulty speaking. I was an extreme stutterer. I was not long after speaking that it was realized that I had a severe stammering, stuttering problem. And they did their research and looked. It didn't seem to do a whole lot of help. So through elementary school, middle school, and into high school, I was known as this quiet kid. Anyone that knows me knows now I'm not a quiet kid. As a matter of fact, my family tells me sometimes, Dad, you talk too loud. And I remember, I remember one of those few things from being five. I remember being in this glass-enclosed room and playing with other kids and these people outside watching us. And I didn't realize that we were being observed by the people in the speech pathology area at Long Island University. And so time went on, and, and, and even into high school, people... My teachers thought I couldn't read and because they would ask me to read and I would refuse to read in public because I knew I would stutter and I wasn't going to embarrass myself, especially in high school. And so they realized that that was not the case. They realized that I was someone that could read. I was seen as shy. I was seen as quiet. But as I, but as I started to as I started to grow in my faith and as the Lord began to lead me into speaking to people publicly about him and about my relationship with him, something started to happen. I started when I would get up in front of people, petrified as ever, saying, Lord, this is really, you've got to do this. I wouldn't stutter. And I always said, God, you have a sense of humor that you would put a stutterer as a public speaker. But it just demonstrated his greatness and his glory, and it gave me um, the view of always dependent upon him, always, when getting up. The impossibility of it seemed strong, and yet God had a plan. And I know that example doesn't compare to the example of the son that Sarah would birth and that he would lead to the coming of the Savior of the world, but it was an impossibility, and God is saying to you and I, regardless of the impossibility, will you trust and will you follow me? So as we finish this off, we can have greater permanence in our temporary lives here as we, as we respond faithfully to a faithful God who calls to us. Not needing to know all the details, but knowing that he will deliver 
on what he wants to accomplish in and through us. Number two, that we are to live in the temporary through the lens of the permanent, that our lives are anchored somewhere other than here. And it is in that inheritance of eternal life. And thus, it allows us and causes us to live here with confidence, with assurance, and with strength in whatever God either allows or he gives. And then lastly, that we trust God who is faithful. And we trust him that even in doing the impossible, he will accomplish what is needed. Will you live that way? Will you allow God to shape your life like that? Will you allow him to work in and through you like that? I trust that you will. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much. God, that you, in, in, in your love and in your mercy and in your faithfulness, you called out to us. Father, when we were in darkness, those that know you, and when we were here, Lord, living a life we thought was good, but we didn't realize, Lord, was apart from you. And you called, and Lord, you are, you've given us, or we have responded, and you've called us to live in this temporary with an anchor in the permanent, and Lord, to trust you. I pray that we would see you as you are, as you revealed yourself, and that we would trust you because you are worthy to be trusted and are faithful. And we will realize the greater permanence we have as a result. We ask you this in Jesus' name. Amen.